Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, where we present informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amin, your host, here again with my co-host, Rubina Chaudhry. Our podcast can be heard on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, as well as popular podcast platforms. Prior to Senior Straight Talk, the show is entitled Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and those episodes can also be heard on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and podcast platforms. Please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. So how are you doing today, Rubina? I'm doing very well, Phyllis. Good to be talking with you. Likewise. Um, as most of our listeners probably know, um, I'm in the East Coast. Our guest is in the East Coast uh, as well, but we'll get to him later. And uh, you're on the West Coast, and it's a little cooler here today. What about where you are? Actually, it is cooling down, definitely in California. Also, we have cloudy skies, and I'm hoping we will get some rain because we could really use some rain. Okay. So it's, it's cooling down. You can definitely tell that it's fall. Um, oh, okay. And certainly here, the weather changed drastically in the last couple of days. So uh, as we did the last show we had, we um, I'm beginning a little segment at the beginning of our podcast called News and Views. And so this will be the second time that I'm presenting that tidbit of information. So for the listeners, I'd like to tell them about the news item that I have for today. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services released the results of a survey of 11,000 Medicare beneficiaries that they, uh, they surveyed between June 10th and July 15th of this year. The survey was conducted by a telephone. The results indicated that 21% of all Medicare beneficiaries have opted not to pursue medical care for issues unrelated to COVID-19. The reason cited was that they did not want to risk being in a medical facility. The most common forms of care that were not pursued were dental care at 43%, regular checkups and treatment for ongoing conditions at 36%, diagnostic or medical screening tests at 32%, vision care 24%, and surgery 17%. In addition, 35% of those surveyed said the reason they did not pursue medical care was that they were afraid to leave their home. 7% gave as the reason that they didn't have transportation. That's quite alarming, is it not? It it is, but it is very true because when we... You know, think about ourselves. I definitely have delayed some care just for the same reason, not wanting to go out and be be exposed. Oh, I, really? You know, I was due for um, a mammogram in February, just and uh, I have not gone. And I've been getting calls from my doctor's office this week that I need to go and uh, and uh, have that done. So. I think what your um, the results that the survey is showing are very indicative of what's happening uh, in in real life for all of us because we are being cautious. And and let's hope that this doesn't have more of a negative impact exactly. on people's health and well-being. So be, besides the COVID nineteen, now there can be many other conditions that will be impacted, uh, and exactly. that's only going to create more problems all the way around. You know, we will walk through it as we, as we move forward. And there will be things that we don't know about right now that uh, will emerge and we will address them one at a time. So, but thank you for sharing that, uh, that uh, news and views uh, tidbit. And I really appreciate that segment, Phyllis. This uh, brings the information to, to another higher level. Uh, we have a wonderful guest today. So I'm going to ask you to wel- introduce our guest and welcome our guest right now. Absolutely, I'm, I'm thrilled. I've known our guest for, I think a year or two now. 
And it was an honor to meet him and to continue having the relationship. So Dan Blanchard is the guest, and he is a best-selling and award-winning author, speaker, and educator, as well as a TV host. He's also a two-time junior Olympian wrestler and two-time junior Olympian wrestling coach. Dan has now successfully completed 14 years of college (laughs) and has earned seven degrees. He teaches special education and social studies in Connecticut's largest inner city high school, where he was chosen by the Connecticut American Federation of Teachers as the face and voice of educational reform and is now on the speaking circuit for for them. Dan was with the team that put forth Connecticut's new social studies framework and is also a member of the Special Education Advisory Board to the Connecticut State Department of Education. In addition, Dan is a teacher consultant for the University of Connecticut's Writing Project, and he is proudly a double veteran of the Army and Air Force. And now there is a play being written about Dan's life. Wow. Um, Yeah. And because Dan's students repeatedly asked him to write a book to tell others what he tells them, Mm -hmm. he finally listened and has now authored teen leadership books. The first one is The Storm, How Young Men Become, How Young Men Become Good Men, and the sequel, A Sprint to the Top, How to Win the Game of Life. And finally, Dan writes a dozen columns on things from leadership, teens, education, special education and parenting. Dan, I don't know what else to say. Uh, You could say everything (laughs) after that. I said enough. Yeah, well, thank you, Phyllis. Um, That was a beautiful introduction and uh, makes me want to meet myself. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that guy anyway? (laughs) Who is that guy? Yeah, oh yeah, that was me. I just chipped away at that stuff a little teeny bit at a time. Uh, If you don't mind me backtracking just a little bit, uh, I too have put off two dentist appointments over the last year. Uh, You know, the most recent one a few weeks ago when my dentist was hounding at me to come in for my uh, six-month checkup. And I'm like, listen, I think we're going to wait for the spring. You know, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's weird times right now, crazy times, unknown times. So, um, I think a lot of people are, are putting off medical care, you know, um, probably of all ages, uh, particularly, I, I guess, you know, the senior citizens, maybe more so even, uh, right. be, being of a more vulnerable population. Um, but yeah, but people are putting off care, and I hope there's no um, boomerang effect, you know, on that. So let's hope for the best. Right. And let's just, you know, be smart and be safe and, you know, social distance, wear the mask, and maybe, maybe not go places we don't have to go. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's interesting, yeah. Dan, you mentioned the boomerang, boomerang effect. I think we will have something for sure. I made an appointment. It's not, I didn't get it until six weeks out. And I was mentioning to my daughter, who's a radiologist here in California. And she was saying, she said, Mom, we have 6,000 patients waiting to be processed because everybody... Wow. Everybody, you know, she's she's part of a, a practice of radiologists. Uh, so there's going to be some crunch there, but we'll walk through it together. But we'll it, not only the crunch from that end, but also people may have medical conditions that are not being detected that detected. need to be addressed, yes. that we hope that doesn't become a worse medical condition. Uh, because they haven't sought care in a timely fashion. So I think there are, and there are, I have other news tidbits as we go on in, in our show, um, you know, with other podcasts that actually relate to that. But let's get to, um, let's get to uh, Dan, Dan talking about yes. his book and what prompted him to write it. And I know the um, kind of the concept behind the book, but I'm anxious for you to tell the listeners about that. Okay, great. Thank you, Phyllis. Um, I got to tell you, Beck. I've been teaching now for a long time, over two decades, and I would say maybe back, um, gosh, late 90s, I had students that were constantly saying to me, hey, you're the most inspiring teacher I've ever had, you know, and that you should write a book to tell other people like the sort of things that you tell us. And I was always like, thanks, thanks, but but no thanks. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I'll write a book, come on now. You know, sometimes I could barely write my name. (laughs) So... 
And then, and this, but the funny thing is, uh, this went on for about a decade where kids would come to me and say, hey, same sort of thing. You know, you're the most inspiring teacher I ever met. You should write a book. Um, and, and over a 10-year period of time, it started to become more frequent. So I was thinking, hmm, maybe the kids are seeing something that I'm not seeing, and maybe I should put my trust in them the way I've been trying to get them to put their trust in me. And a couple other things are happening during this time. You know, there's like certain patterns that I see are going on. Um, over this decade where the kids are telling me to write, book, write a book and I'm kind of resisting it, you know, and one of the things is a total lack of leadership, a total lack of like good role models, a total like misunderstanding of the value of people that are older. You know what I'm saying? Like we have like this, uh, let's say a substitute teacher will come in, you know, and if they had a head full of gray hair, the kids would be like, oh, that's just some old person. You know, I'd be like, are you kidding me? That guy's a Vietnam vet. You know what I'm saying? That guy's lived two, three lives. Now, you know, that guy could tell you some good stuff. He could give you some great wisdom. He could make your life easier. You know what I'm saying? You just listen to this guy, but you won't even give this guy the time of day because he's got a head full of gray hair. Now, it was just so naive, and it was kind of bothering me, you know, when I was seeing this. And I was also seeing some of the older population being discouraged and turned off and be like, you know, why should I even try? Like I come in, you know, I'll be a substitute teacher or maybe a bus driver or whatever their position was. And, you know, and they're like, no one listens to me. I get nothing but disrespect from these kids. You know, they don't think I have any value. Who knows? Maybe I don't have any value left. You know, maybe my best years are behind me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, that's not the case here. Not at all. I'm like, so I saw like this need in society. And so over those 10 years when uh, my students kept bothering me or asking me to write a book, you know, I started coming up with the concept of granddaddy's secrets, you know, because first of all, kids won't listen to anything unless you tell them it's a secret. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 and the older population has an enormous amount of wisdom. They got more wisdom in their little finger, you know, than a lot of us younger people have in our whole body. So I was like, well, why can't we somehow create this, this partnership, you know, of granddaddy's secrets, get the kids interested and what they have to say, even if I have to call it secrets, remind the um, older population that they are incredibly important, incredibly valuable, and society needs them. You know, society desperately needs them to step in and carry the ball a little bit for, like, let's say, the, the parents of these kids mm -hmm. who are overwhelmed, Correct. you know, stressed out, working two, three jobs, you know, maybe going back to school at night themselves. And um, just they don't have the time for the kids. And when they are there, they're exhausted. You know, their patience is thin. You know, they don't have time to, like, work out a complex problem, especially that new math. Who the heck knows how to do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I just saw a huge need for this whole bringing the young and bringing the old together and saying, you know what? Right here, we got something special. There's a special dynamic here that could happen through granddaddy's secrets. And we can relieve the parents a little stress as well, what's, you know, they're totally over, overburdened, overstressed, you name it. But this would really help the parents that are just trying to maybe put food on the table. You know, if we had like this dynamic of granddaddy's secrets between the younger population and older population. So at some point, <clears throat> between my students kept asking me to write a book, and then I, I kept seeing this need that wasn't being met in society, I figured... Yeah, maybe I should give this a shot. So now here's a really funny story. I was, I, I was driving home one day. Another kid had just told me, Mister, you got to write a book, right? Driving home one day, and a buddy of mine calls from like Florida, and uh, I grew up with him. He's like, you know, the kind of kid that everything he touched turned to gold, and now he's like a you know grown man, and the pattern continues, you know, down in Florida, doing really, really well. And he calls me up. I'm driving home, and he goes, Hey, Dan. He goes, guess what? I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to write a book. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Good for you. I'm thinking, yeah. I'm like, guys like you do that. <laughs> you know How do you do that? Yeah. yeah, guys like you do that. I don't know about me, but guys like you do that, you know? So uh, after he talks a little bit, I mentioned to him, I said, yeah, one of my students today told me that I should write a book. And he goes, Dan, you should. And I was like, wow. I mean, Dave, are you for real? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I thought it was just like, you know, some kids that didn't know much. <laughs> and he's like, no, you should write a book. And I was like, oh, um, dang, dang, if Dave thinks I should write a book, I may, maybe I should. So the next day I set my alarm clock for 4 a.m. Because I was already getting up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym before work and before I went to school. 
So I, I figured I don't have time. When would I do it? Well, I'm like, well, you know, the thinking that got you here won't get you there. So what do right. I got to do? I got to change my thinking, right? So I kept, how, can I get up earlier than 5 a.m.? Why not 4? So I got up. I, why not? So I got up at 4. Set my alarm clock for 4. Got up at 4. And I did that for the next 365 days in a row. And one year later, I was holding the, my first book in my hand. Oh, my and goodness. Wow. That's a lesson on so many different levels. It's a lesson about strategizing, about commitment, about priori- prioritizing, about, about habits. I mean, it has far-reaching, far-reaching benefits. Oh, it definitely does because it's certainly given me about three to five ideas because I know my my partner is in the Eastern time zone and she's already spent part of her day by the time I wake up. So if I wake up an hour early, I think there's a potential to do a lot more things. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing about it was once my first book was done, I was holding it in my hand, my whole perspective on life changed. Right. There I am. You know, I think they say something like 85% of people want to write books, maybe like 10, 15% do. Um, And I'm holding this book, this physical paperback book in my hand. And it just changed the way I thought, changed what I thought was possible. My whole paradigm of life changed. I said, you know what? If it worked once, I'm sure it can work again. So the next morning, I set my alarm clock again for 4 a.m. And then (laughs) within a year, I had my second book. In, in my hand and I was like this and I did it again and again and and then I sped it up and now I've written 30 books 30 books I've written I didn't 30. know you've written I didn't know you've written 30 books yeah. that I did not know Dan oh yeah if all. you go to my website page and look on the books and courses tab you'll see I've got like 30 books there well I I have to say that I agree with you about what you said about a paradigm shift because when I held my first book in my hand um I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, first of all, but it does, it changes your thinking um, because when you now have more to say, you say, well, I'll write another book. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, and now it seems like uh, almost like a no-brainer. I wasn't intending to write a book this year and I was watching some webinar and um, the gentleman was talking about it's, it's fine to relaunch a book or having a second edition. And I was like, oh, you know, you're right. I'll write another book. I have enough information, articles I've written, whatever. Some of that information is in this book. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'm on three. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. And the whole book thing, it gives you like a platform. It gives you a voice. And, and it gets you to think about your thinking as you're right. writing and speaking about it, whether it's on a podcast show or you're writing a book or you're writing a blog or you're writing a column, you know, which I was doing all of them, you know, or you're on a TV show. So it gets you to think about your thinking, and now you've got this platform, you've got this bigger voice, and I and I and I was thinking so much deeper about this whole granddaddy secrets thing, you know, and then I had a whole series of these books, and I, and I just was seeing that more and more I thought about it and talked about it, the more and more I saw the need was there, you know, and then some funny things were happening along the way, fellas, and uh, Rabin, I like for instance, like I was out looking for a mentor, you know, and um, this mentor when he finally, uh, I think it was one of those old score. Mentors like the retired oh, yeah. executives. Yes, yes, yes. So I was out looking for one of those. And then when I finally met this guy, he said something that a lot of other people have said to me along the way. So it just kind of tickled my funny bone. But when we finally met face to face, you know, I, I was like in my late 40s, like maybe mid 40s when we met. And he was probably like 65 or something like that. And when we finally met, he looked at me and he goes, Dan Blanchard. He goes, Wow, because I thought I was walking into a room with an 85-year-old guy. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead, I'm looking, I, guess, I thought you were a granddaddy. And he goes, uh, instead, I'm walking in a room and I'm seeing like a 45-year-old guy. You know, he goes, uh, he goes, I really thought you were a granddaddy. You know, from the whole granddaddy secret. And plus, he was looking at my resume and the things that I've accomplished. And he's like, how the heck did you accomplish all, those, all that stuff in just 45 years? So, you know, that was kind of funny because I was like, okay, there it is. The whole granddaddy theme is even there and then you you know like so when people meet me they're like i thought you were the granddaddy right you know, right then you that's th- cool yeah. i i thought the same thing also uh dan when uh, phyllis introduced you uh 
about you coming on the show. But I just want to take a second. I think this would be of benefit to our listeners. You mentioned SCORE. That's the volunteer group of retired executives. They work out of through the SBA, and it's called Service Corps of Retired Executives, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. Absolutely. In every, every area. The SCORE is Service Corps of Retired Executives. So I just want to um, go back, Dan, uh, now that you've told us about how all of this came about, and tell us a little bit about what, granddad- what the granddaddy secrets are. Oh, perfect. I'll get into that in one second. If I could just do one more little bit on this, oh, how sure. it all developed. Okay. Okay. So, um, so that score thing is awesome because it gives you mentorship, right? Now, I didn't know this, but I was like a little boy looking for a granddaddy of my own because my own father wasn't really there for me. You know, he was working a lot. And when he wasn't working, he was at the bar, you know, and then when he wasn't at the bar, he was home drunk and angry. You know what I'm saying? So he wasn't really there for me. So I was just like, man, I wish I had a granddaddy that could be around for me, one that would set my dad straight, make him be a good dad, you know, and Mm. one that would have time and patience and wisdom and love for me. And I started thinking, you know, as I grew up, I never got that because I didn't have both of my granddaddies died when I was just a little, little boy. So I started thinking, I go, you know, I can't be the only kid that went through life that was living like in a subpar home environment, wishing they had a grandparent that was there for them. You know what I'm saying? And it's a mentorship, but it's a family thing. It's a love thing. It's a wisdom thing. Patience, you know, you know, they step in, you know what I'm saying? When the parents can't be there for whatever reason. But, uh, and that was also so part of the whole granddaddy secrets thing was I'm like, I can't be the only kid that, that, that was longing or wishing for a uh, grandparent, a wise, loving grandparent to be there. Mm. So um, that was all part of the development of the granddaddy secrets. Now, One of the things that granddaddy um, shares or just any um, person with wisdom will share with you is you, you, you can't fall into the trap of believing what you see, let's say on TV and those reality shows as being, you know, cool or a real leadership or like a real man or a real woman. You know what I'm saying? Those people that are, that you're seeing on TV, those people that you're seeing in Hollywood, those people you're seeing sometimes in sports, you know, when a basketball player kicks a photographer, you know, that's just all unacceptable stuff. Sometimes the stuff that you're, the kids are seeing in school, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes their neighborhood, many times their neighborhood, sometimes right. in their own home. You know what I'm saying? That is not, let's say, like the real man, real woman, real leadership mm. stuff. You know what I'm saying? What you need to do is you need to go find yourself some real role models. You know, mm. and if there's none around you, pick up a book in the biography section. Mm-hmm. And read mm-hmm. about people who, you know, who had character, you know, who did something. You know what I'm saying? If you walk into school and you see a crossing guard with a head full of gray hair, guess what? That may be a great person for you to stop and say hi to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. The, lunch, the lunch lady right. you know, in your high school cafeteria might be a great lady for you to stop and say hi to. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you got a coach or a teacher or the mailman. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's people all around the place that have character and you're not going to see them on TV. You know, they have wisdom and patience and most of them are not on TV and they're certainly not on reality TV called Snooky or, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, so I know I'm going back a ways here, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was definitely one of the things. you got to find yourself. Someone in your life, you know, and, and it's, it's easier these days um, with the internet, you know, with groups, um, you know, a, a, a book is a good, a good, okay route to go. You know what right. I'm saying? You can read about exceptional people, people of character, and you can learn about leadership. You know what I'm saying? And you can start succeeding in life. And when you start succeeding in life, you're going to start avoiding a lot of the petty stuff. You know, the gossiping, the rumors, the putting people down because of your lack of self-confidence. No, go out there, you know, get there earlier, stay later, work harder, be a person of character. And then you won't get yourself caught in these traps of like pettiness, you know, that so many people are stuck in. You know, those are just the tip of the iceberg of granddaddy's secrets. But it comes down to having confidence in yourself, working hard toward a goal. I'm saying right. to becoming somebody special, somebody of character, you know, somebody that you're, you could be proud of, somebody that your future mate, your future children will be proud of, you know, because guess what? They deserve that. 
They right. deserve to have a father that they're proud of. You know, they deserve to have a husband or wife that they're proud of. You know what I'm saying? And you do. You deserve to have somebody, you know, 10 years from now when you're looking in the mirror, you deserve to have somebody on the other side of that mirror looking back at you that you're proud of. You know right. what I'm saying? And it's not, you know, and it's it's not the stuff you're seeing on TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, so many of these kids. <clears throat> so like I said, that's just scratching the tip of the iceberg on Granddaddy's Secrets. That's that's really it's terrific. It's all terrific stuff. I but your story is is an important part, if you ask me, of that wisdom and those granddaddy secrets. Just like I said earlier, those success habits, that dedication, that perseverance, that planning, that determination, that, you know, stick to that's part of the wisdom that you gained um, through this process that you can also now impart besides grand. Actually, I think if you haven't put that in your book, I think you should put that in your next one. Either that or I'm stealing it and putting it in mine. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, anybody who reads my first book, The Storm, How Young Men Become Good Men with a Struggling Teenager and the Granddaddy Figure that's in the book, it's peppered with it. Just mm-hmm. one great <clears throat> success skill, right. success strategy after another you know, a lifelong pursuit of trying to become better than you were yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Right. And not taking the easy road. Right. You know what I'm saying? And capitalizing on, let's say, the thing that you are good in and then getting really, really good at that thing. And then, tr- you know, of course, through hard work and through good ethics, you know, and then transferring those success skills and those success habits to the next thing. So, like, for me in real life, I started off having success in sports. Not initially, I had to really earn it. But then once I earned the success in sports, then I was able to transfer it over to, let's say, school. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then after school, then I was able to transfer it over to the next bigger level of like the army, you know, the military, college. And then, you know, and those success habits kept transferring and kept building on them throughout my whole life. And then I'm able to transfer those skills over to being a husband and right. being a father and being a teacher, and being a coach, and then later like an author and a speaker. And it just you just keep building on those success habits and those success skills, and then they, they get easier and easier to transfer over to your next project. Next thing you know, you're doing like a TV show or a podcast. And right. you're thinking, I would have never thought 10 years ago I was doing this, but look, I'm just using the same success habits that I've done on so many other things to make mm-hmm. things like this successful. Yeah, granted, there's always a little bit of a new learning curve, you know, right. with technology and with whatever mm-hmm. else you need to do for whatever role you're in, but it's the same sort of path of you're just transferring success skills and habits. But I think that's something that you just said that's really important because uh, it's like you said, and I've been saying this a lot lately, I, I never would have thought of doing a podcast and now thinking of doing other things or even writing a book or whatever, wherever my visions are taking me. And I have uh, several others. I think it's true. Once you start to do one thing, your creative juices start to start to work and you start to see other possibilities and think outside the box even more than than the first thinking outside the box, which was writing the book. Um, but I think it is, I think it's important for people to know, older people especially, which I write about in, in, in my book that's coming out in a few weeks, uh, that, that it is a continuing learning process and that you continue to grow and learn. And, and I think mm-hmm. we'll have to go to uh, our first break. And when we come back, we can continue talking about it because I just think this is one of the most fascinating subjects there is. So um, with that, we'll take a short break and we'll be back in a few. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. 
Rubina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of All of Community Services, a 501c3 providing support services to seniors, families, and the community. Olive's Live, Learn, and Thrive programs engage seniors physically, mentally, and socially. Rubina's passion for seniors stems from her experiences as an only child, living miles away from her aging parents who are over 90 years of age. She understands the issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org for further information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the hosts at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk, and we are having a phenomenal conversation with author Dan Blanchard, who has really captured this intergenerational programming, sharing the, the learning and the wisdom of the seniors with, uh, with his students, with high school students, and then expanding it more through his, uh, his books. Then, thank you so, so much. And uh, share with us the next topic that comes to your mind, because I'm just overwhelmed with your wisdom. Thank you, Rubina. So I was just thinking how uh, Phyllis was talking about the older generation learning new skills. And I was thinking, I see that every single day. Uh, Here in Connecticut, I'm the Connecticut president, the Association of Publishers for Special Sales. It's for like independent authors, independent publishers. Uh, We have pretty much, um, you know, mostly Connecticut people, but we do bring in some other people from surrounding states. So the funny thing about this is that pretty much Almost everybody I work with is a senior citizen. You know, and they, they make jokes about me being the young one, uh, you know, the kid among the group. And, um, you know, when I talk to them, you know, one of the things that, one of the over themes that, that, that keep coming through is that basically they're saying, you know what? Um, I have a book now. I'm an author now because I am retired, because I finally have time, time yes. in my life to write a book. You know, many of them wanted to write a book when they were younger. Um, Perhaps some of them, you know, didn't think of it, but many of them did, but they just didn't have the time to like learn the skill of becoming a published author. However, when they retired, many of them, instead of just, you know, rocking in the rocking chair on their porch, you know, they said, I'm going to try something different. I'm like, you know, I wanted to write a book before, didn't have the time. Now I have the time. I'm going to learn it. And they learned it. And listen, there's a lot to learn. You know, there's, it's a big difference between being a writer and being a published author. So right. there's a lot to learn, and a lot of people learn it when they retire. And then who knows where that goes for them? You know, all right. of a sudden they find themselves with platforms, with voices, you know what I'm saying? And they, maybe they start their own business. You know what I'm saying? And remember, this is retirement, where most right. people are looking just to get in the rocking chair or maybe take slow walks around the pond, you know, slowing down in one way or another. You got people that are now shifting into fifth gear. Right. You know, they're learning new stuff, they're writing books, they're starting businesses based on their book. And, you know, the world's at their feet now. It's a whole new beginning. You know, they're I, rebuilding I it, themselves. I call it the third act. I like that. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really, um, some people have said, oh, there are two acts. I say, no, it's, it's really like the third act. Um, and, and there are so many people thriving and growing and, like you say, expanding. They're, they're taking in all the wisdom and the experience that they've gained over the years, and now they could take it to the next level. And that's what, as society, we really, in my opinion, should be looking, um, looking at old, older people as being able to provide. They are the, they are the best resources that we have. And... Um... And uh, Dan, we've just met today, but I'm an entrepreneur. And one of my goals is to capture or to harness not only that knowledge in, a, in the 
academic way, but in the practical way, uh, start social entrepreneur uh, enterprises where they are working as much as they can, provide them the support. And that is our desire and my personal desire in how we will support the programming and Olive Community Services is through these social enterprises. And that's one demographic and I have my eye on another demographic. And that is the, uh, the moms or parents whose children are most of the day in school, and then they have that time, the you know that uh, band of time available. Uh, so I think there were plenty, plenty of opportunities. Yeah. Uh, it's yep, it's recognizing right. that you have the resource. So how? What are some of the ways that you see uh, these elder persons um, applying themselves? What are some of the projects that you've seen? Maybe you could share some examples with us. Yeah, sure. And if you don't mind, I. Like I think back, like a, like let's say over in like Japan, the older people there are so revered, you know, over there in like Japan, uh, and you come to the U.S. and Hollywood kind of predominates here in the U.S. You know, you get forty years old and you're old and you're not on the silver screen anymore. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So we got kind of that hot hot dog cowboy Hollywood image over here, and unfortunately, the people who should be revered are not being revered because of our, just our coach over here. That needs to change, right? right? So like I said, um, some of the best authors out there, you know, are, are ones that have a head full of gray hair. You know, right. they are senior citizens. They've got so much wisdom. They've got so much to say. And nobody's, you know, maybe they didn't have a chance to say it in whatever job that they were working before. But now as an author, they can say it. You know, they, uh, they start, like, let's say, a social entrepreneur mm -hmm. business. You know what I'm saying? I just, uh, they had so much to say, so much to offer. Um, I just read a stat the other day that said that the senior citizens, businesses started by senior citizens are less likely to fail. Now, we've all heard how I believe tricky it is, how dangerous it is to go open up your own business, start your own business, small businesses, you know what they say, over 50% of them fail every year. And then within the first five years, you know, whatever it is, nine out of 10, the numbers are really, really high. But most of those people that are failing those businesses are young people. It's not the senior citizens. Senior citizens have a way better chance of succeeding and being successful. You know, they have good networks. You know, they've got a lot of life experience. You know, they got wisdom. They've got good self-control. You know, they know how to take um, educated guesses or, you know, let's say, uh, to be an oxymoron here, a safe chances or safe risk. You know what I'm saying? They know how to do these sort of things better than the younger generation. That's, so if, if you're a banker and you've got a young guy coming for a loan, you know, who's like a hot dog and you've got an older guy or girl coming for a loan, I w if I was the banker, I would look at the older one for, first because that's probably where I'm going to have my best bet of not losing my money. Now, you know, I, I just want to... Excuse oh, me, I, Phyllis, for a second. Oh, sorry. Excuse me for a second. On the, on the flip side, what are you doing to encourage the elder persons so that they are more proactive, so that they don't just, you know, there are the few that are self-motivated, those that, that don't have that. What are you doing to encourage them and saying, hey, you have it, you got it, go for it. What are you doing on the other end of the spectrum to bring them in? Well, well I'm glad you brought that up, Rubina, because now I have a voice. I have a platform. Right. You know what I'm saying? I have a whole bunch of books that kind of talk about these sort of things. I give speeches all the time. You know, where I talk about these sort of things. You know, I do a podcast show, radio show, columns, blogs, and TV shows where I talk about these sort of things. And, I mean, I was just on a TV show like two weeks ago where I had something like 20 million viewers. So out of those 20 million viewers, you could imagine there's going to be some older people in that audience, you know, that are going to be motivated and going to be like, yeah, maybe I should give it a shot. Maybe I should go out there and volunteer you know, to do something, work at a charity or write a book or who knows, maybe I should just do something. You know, what am I, uh, what am I just hanging around here for? Might as right. well get out there and do something, right? So, and, and I'm an educator, you know what I'm saying? Like I talk to like my students and athletes, parents and grandparents all the time. And, and, that's, a, and that's a great way to, to interact with people and to let people know, you know, how much I um, value them and how, how I, I encourage them to go out and live their best life no matter what age they are but my voice has been amplified so many times over uh, from being an author speaker blogger you know international columnist tv host 
um, yeah, I got a, I got a pretty big voice out there now and it's pretty cool. And I know I've helped a lot of people live a better life. And, oh, uh, that's a beautiful, that's really a beautiful thing. I was going to, I was going to bring up what we were talking about in the break, uh, if that's okay, which yeah. was about, um, that you, Dan, I said at the beginning that we're both on the East coast. I'm in Connecticut. So are you, you're just a little further up from me. And, um, I've been talking for quite some time about pairing younger people with people in nursing homes who don't have either don't have family or their family live very far away or they're not in touch with their family and creating some kind of connection because people in nursing homes are sometimes thought of as over there. Nobody thinks about them unless they're related to them. They don't see them. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But I myself have learned so much from people in nursing homes, working in over 45 of them. And um, I've said many times and written about it that I'm 67 now, but for the last 10 or 15 years that I've worked in nursing homes, and even now, sometimes I'll meet somebody, they'll tell me, you're just a kid, and uh, you have a lot to learn. And uh, Mm -hmm. if they're 10, 15, 20 years older than I am, indeed, they're correct. And so how, how much value could that have for a younger person, you know, a high school ch- child or a, or a uh, middle school child, uh, maybe we could work on, I know now with COVID visitation is kind of limited, but maybe we can work on some kind of pairing where they, they could get even more experience from people in different situations rather than just people in their community. I think it's a national discussion that we should be right. having, Phyllis, about this pairing. Yes. That's you know, the older my generation, friend. the younger generation, and relieving some of the burden and stress off of, let's just say, the parents that are just trying to put food on the table. You know what I'm saying? It just makes a lot of sense to kind of create some kind of um, pairing between right. the older generation and, uh, and the younger generation. And, and a story just popped in my head. I just remembered this. I remember sometimes I get like emails or I even get letters sometimes from older people. And they say things like, you know, I read your column, newspaper column every week, and then I cut it out, put it in an envelope, and mail it to my grandson across country. Oh, wow, I have the chills. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. See, and it's just the grandparent going right to the grandchild with a clipping, a newspaper clipping. You know what I'm saying? So it's there. You know, it's natural. It's there. It's natural. I like your idea of having a, a national conversation around this right. topic because that can help society so, so much in many ways, this intergenerational support. Well, and, and that, that belief, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that. I don't know if we ever talked about this when we first met Dan, but that was when I wrote my first book, that was my goal and my vision. How somehow can this become a national conversation to get people really talking about it on a national level? I don't mean just seeing a commercial about Alzheimer's or the care you need at home or, or some other situation, but really inspire a national conversation about elders, elder care, elder wisdom, um, really people understanding and embracing that. And so that's, I started with the podcast and, you know, hopefully my voice will grow uh, to where yours is and uh, continue in that because I think it's crucial, Uh, especially as the older population continues to grow in this country. By 2035, they say the over 65 population is going to outnumber those 18 and younger. Yes, I've, I've heard that also. And I would say, I, I believe that our show, Phyllis, tonight is um, probably inspiring some people out there tonight. So I want to throw down a challenge to some of the um, older people out there tonight. You know, I would love, I would love for some of you to let's start, you know, continue this, this conversation, this national conversation that we're talking about. And let's get it going all over the country. This uh, pairing, you know, the older with the younger. Right. And who knows? You know, maybe uh, some of our listeners out there will have some great ideas and contact us and work with us on trying to um, create this pairing, you know, this natural partnership that should be going on anyways. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah, the power of synergy. Absolutely. A lot of um, 
Inter- the idea of intergenerational programming and uh, connection has been around for a while. And I could tell you from uh, working in nursing homes, so how it gets translated, right, is uh, it's an idea, it's a start, but it really doesn't real it doesn't really embrace the full concept of what it's about, which is a couple of times a year, maybe they'll have a local elementary school or local uh, middle school come in and do a show or a performance or walk around and that's it. That's not really, I mean, it, it's good for a moment, but it really has to be ongoing to, to really develop those relationships. I was saying a couple of weeks ago, uh, that I was watching TV a few weeks ago, and I um, we had a gentleman on talking about wisdom circles a while back, uh, creating this intergenerational programming. And I was saying that I happened to be going by some stations. It was a PBS station, and I saw something about these intergenerational groups they were doing. I was fascinated by it because we had just talked about it. And in that case, it was about the Holocaust. So they were bringing kids that were middle and high school age, maybe some of them a little older, with people who had survived the Holocaust to really translate what that experience was about. So this extends to so many different areas. Uh, If people just think about people who are veterans and people who younger people and letting them know about war and conflict and teamwork. I mean, there's there's some, it's, it's just expansive. Yeah, there's so many opportunities out there. I do that same thing. I bring my students to go talk to Holocaust survivors. Uh, I'm a history teacher as well, so I do that frequently. Um, But there's so many opportunities out there, and using the power of synergy and our audience, I would love to see some of them step up to the challenge and say, you know what, I think I want to become a social entrepreneur myself. Right, You know what I'm saying? And maybe try to, like, speed up uh, this partnership beyond just the, uh, the mere bumpings that we right. get when we go and introduce our students to like a Holocaust survivor. You right. know, um, there's so many more opportunities and uh, some of the greatest minds out there are the ones that have heads full of gray hair. So right. I'm sure that they can think of something to uh, make this better than it presently is. We had a, uh, our last show, we had uh, a gentleman on from Cameroon, Francis Jockham, and I loved what he said about his view of people with gray hair. It touched me so. Uh, he said that if you think about it years ago, when people were magistrates, um, what did they do? They put on a gray wig, didn't they? A powder white wig. Yes, and that, they did. So that represented wisdom. So mm-hmm. that to him is how he views anybody with gray hair. And I just thought, what a great analogy. Absolutely. I really? love that analogy. Yeah, being a history, history teacher, I love it even more. Right. Okay, you can use that. I won't charge yeah. you for that. Okay, cool. so this, is, this is amazing. This is amazing. And my thought is going more and more towards what you said then, as the national conversations. Who, in your opinion, are the key players, if you were to name three or five, in, in terms of groups, not people, but in terms of groups? Teachers are definitely at the top of Yeah, that. teachers are definitely at the top. And I would say school administration, because those are the ones that kind of form the programs and the policies for the educational institutions, you know, bringing in the universities as well. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, another one would be the civic organizations, mm-hmm. you know, such as like the KFC, the Lions Club, mm-hmm. uh, all those types of things. Um, another one could be um, sports institutions, mm-hmm. National Football League, you know, the mm-hmm. National Basketball League. I mean, these young kids, you know, they, they love like sports. Them, yeah. And, you know, I mean, what kid is going to turn away Dr. J because he's got gray hair? Yeah, right. Like, right. Or, or Michael right. Jordan. I know Michael right. Jordan. Right, or Michael Jordan, right? He shaves oh. his head. But if right. he lets it grow out a little bit, I have some gray hairs in there. So what kid's going to turn him away? Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So definitely sports would be a huge one. Anybody involved with the sports, mm-hmm. you know, um, I would say the church, uh, any right. kind of oh, uh, churches. For sure, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and then uh, and then of course like um, I would say nonprofits, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, right? You know, charities. I mean, there's uh, if we just sat here and brainstormed, that third show oh. we could come up with a bunch of them right. that could help help um, bring this partnering into fruition. I I I think that's 
that's really really what's needed and uh, and uh, if uh, you know i would be very very happy if this is something that we together decide to to pursue in one form or another well i have something but i'm not ready to talk about it yet but i have something that i'm working on that could possibly go in that direction but i don't want to say anything about it yet because it's still in the formative stages but um yeah i've been thinking about this for quite some time hey slow and steady slow (laughs) and slow and steady And, and, uh, you know, then I have learned so much from our conversation right now, not only on what seniors can give us, because each one of us, we have people elder than than us, and but what we can give others and what we can do ourselves. Uh, and it's uh, it's really really been been amazing. And Phyllis, I look forward to taking some of these gems and having an off, uh, you know, right. uh, well, a conversation like I, later. Like I said, uh, Dan and I aren't that far from each other, although we have yeah. we only met once. But when? How long ago was it, Dan? A year and a half. Um, yeah, yeah, something like that. Year, year yeah. and a half ago. But um, yeah, maybe we could. Um, of course, everyone's careful now with the whole COVID thing, but we're uh, we're nearer than than you, Rubina and I. Although right. We're connected by phone. Well, I don't I don't mind calling in. I right. mean, I zoom, and uh, when this clears up, one of my goals is to come to your area. I've never been and and on the east coast and traveled it and seen it. And right. Phil and I had Phyllis and I had been talking about it, but COVID kind of put an end to it. And Phyllis has been out here. But I have not been uh, been back there. Uh, but yeah, maybe Dan and I, maybe you and I can come up with something that we can start, maybe, or start to think about. And, yep. uh, you know, things start locally and then they spread from there. So Yeah, absolutely. We could come up with some program, mm-hmm. some idea. Um, Sounds good. So I, before, uh, you know, we have a few minutes left, but I wanted you to give people an opportunity to find out how to reach you, how to get your books. Um, I know you have a special offer for our listeners, so this is pretty exciting. I'm, I'm happy to um, have you tell our listeners about that. Oh, great. Thank you. I will. Um, I'd love to have your uh, audience reach out to me and say hello. Anybody who contacts me, I will contact you back. I promise you. So you can find me on the web at granddaddysecrets.com, danblanchard.net. I'm on all the social media channels, you know, the Facebook, the Instagram, the LinkedIn, the Twitter, the Pinterest, uh, you know, YouTube. I have my YouTube channel. Uh, I'm everywhere. I'm on Mendalia TV. Definitely check me out at my Amazon, uh, Dan Blanchard. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, you want to, you can find me. Just Google me. Google Dan Blanchard. You'll see me. I'll, I'll pop up everywhere. Okay. Uh, one of my offers, I, I'm so happy and so honored to be able to offer you guys a free gift. And the free gift is my book, The Storm, How Young Men Become Good Men, you know, the struggling teen with the granddaddy figure in the book. Uh, that's going to be offered to you for free uh, today up to midnight. So you're going to download it today. Uh, there'll be a link below. Just click on the link. It's going to bring you right to my The Storm Amazon page. Well, you'll be able to just click buy for zero, 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 and it will download right to your phone and you can read it right in your phone and I'll be in your pocket forever. So it'll be great. <laughs> so when this, so the day that this uh, podcast airs, uh, the, the listeners will hear this and um, hopefully they'll be able to download it at, at that on that day. But I also want to say that Dan, you have been generous enough to become a strategic partner with me in a course that I created on resilience, which both kids and granddaddies alike, we all need resilience right now, right? How to overcome stress, burnout and fatigue and overwhelm. And so now you have also offered that book as a bonus for an um, early bird purchase for the first hundred people who buy the course. So if mm-hmm. people miss it, um, 
when, for this download when the, for the first day, if they purchase the resilience course, and they could find that at on my website, which is www.phyllisaimanassociates.com, when they purchase it, if they're one of the first 100 people, they will get your book, The Storm. And, and Absolutely. Why el- where else is the information about your course available? It's available on your website and where it's else? It's also uh, available on mastermind.com. But if you go to mastermind.com, um, the, the URL is a little complicated. So mm-hmm. either you have to put in my name, uh, the name of the company, Phyllis Amon Associates. But if they go to my website, it will take them directly there. They directly there. Okay. Thank you. Beyond that. Uh, thanks for asking about that, Rubina. And um, before we go, Dan, you have anything else? You want to tell us the name of your latest book? Oh boy, I got so many of them. Uh, yeah, I think the, the latest, latest, book, latest one. The latest, latest book I just put out was called "Hitting the Mat," and it was um, a story of my son's first year as a high school wrestler, and I wrote about that that journey of that father son journey of watching my son wrestle and i paired up and co-authored the book with a man i never met who lives in uh utah uh brian priest whose father was a legendary like 12 time um like all american coach uh, he was in the fam hall uh, he, he's everywhere this guy's a legend why not so i paired up with him and the two of us talked all about East Coast Wrestling and West Coast Wrestling and the father-son journey based on my son's first year of wrestling. Uh, it's called Hitting the Mat. It's a really oh. cool wrestling book. And it got some of the biggest, biggest endorsements you could imagine. You know, Dan Gable wrote the um, forward. Larry Owens wrote the introduction. Wow. You know, Rul- Rulon Gardner endorsed it. And the Rodney said, it goes on, Ken Chateau. It goes on and on and on how many endorsements. The biggest, biggest names of like Olympic wrestling have endorsed it. Oh, is, that, it, is that, it out already? Then it, it is. It's on, it's on Amazon and it's on my webpage. Well, I am going to share this with one of my friends because her son is in wrestling and I'm sure he would. Oh, any uh, family. Yep. Any family that has it. a wrestler would love it. You know, it's all about the family dynamics of mm-hmm. watching your son go through it and what he's going through and what the family's going through. Family's well, going through. It's interesting yeah. you say that because my son, um, he was not into wrestling, but my son was a very, very talented soccer player on a very high level. I mean, he was in the regional pool for, um, for soccer in this area, and he was on the New York State Olympic team. And so um, I was the person who traveled with him, and we also went to – Italy and Greece, and he played in Brazil, and uh, so I was wow. with him all of those journeys. So mm-hmm. I can tell you what I can tell anybody, not only about wrestling, but what the impact that has on the family, those relationships. It's 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 really quite extraordinary. And I have always said that sports is um, sports. I uh, not religion as in God religion, but uh, just hear me out. Indulge me for a minute. The reason I one of the reasons sports art, the arts, whatever it is, to me, it's a level playing field. Either you can do it, and it doesn't matter where you're from, your religion, your background, nobody cares if you can do it. And if you can't, you're watching and you're a fan. And if you're a fan, everybody's still watching, whether you're sitting in the first row or you're sitting in the bleachers. So it's really, to me, sports or anything like that is kind of a level playing field. And I think there are so many great lessons in that for life. I agree. That's, that's amazing, Phyllis. Each day we learn something new even about each other. Right. I so, didn't know yeah. that about your, your son's journey. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh. No. Well, it's that's- actually, it's a little bit of a heartbreaking story because, uh, before we go, I'll just say this, sure. he really could have been a professional. He was seen when he was seven years old as being able to do anything in the sport that he wanted to as far as he could go talk about stick to he didn't have it at that time or he didn't have the passion for that thing he's very very gifted and talented athlete and um, after traveling with him for however many years around the world he just one day said i don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. and um, that's a whole other story a ho- whole other heartbreak um, it's a whole other heartbreak but um, 
You know, some parents push their children that they have to continue because of everything that was put into it. And then I said, um, okay, uh, what else can I do? Okay. And but just he say, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right? And yeah, he okay. applies it in his life. So it had its purpose. It had its reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. It had its season. Yep. It had so its season. That, I think we, uh, we have to sign off. So I just want to say in closing, thanks, uh, Dan, because this has just been fantastic. And um, I'm sure the listeners will, uh, will enjoy it as much as Rubina and I did. Anyway, I say to our listeners, once again, thanks for tuning in to Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And we hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we'll have more interesting conversations and guests. Please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.